Hello, sisters. On this episode, I am actually sharing with you a teaching that I had done at a women's conference. And the topic was breakthrough, how to receive the breakthrough that you have been patiently waiting for. Now, I will be honest with you, the audio is not the greatest. It was done in a large room, was not a bunch of professional equipment, but the message is what will transform you. Make sure you listen till the end because it's in the very end where I start talking about the different tools that I give you if you really want breakthrough. There's also a section there where there was like a break off. And so when you hear me right in the middle of preaching, and then all of a sudden it kind of goes in talking about my books that I have, just hang on because after that, I go right back into preaching again. There was a little bit of a break um, in the audio that day. We had some technical issues. The message remains the same. If you're ready for breakthrough, listen to this episode. God bless you. Hi family, welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another? They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. We're hosting all this. And I'm so grateful when she contacted me and she's like, hey, you want to speak? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And she goes, I don't have a topic yet. And anybody knows me, I'm actually not a topical speaker. So, I am a Bible teacher. So, you give me a letter and I'm going to tear apart by you. Okay, I have a line by line, precept upon precept, repository, woman's teacher. So, I am not a topical teacher, but, so bear with me today. Because I'm going to be a little bit out of my element, but I'm back to Jesus Christ. So, I know what he told me he wanted me to talk about. And so, I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of my background, a little bit of my testimony of the breakthrough that I needed and how I got that breakthrough. So again, my name is Amy Ross, I'm here with Theater Church Ministries. I'm just a co-laborer here with many others. We're just out to love God, love people by serving people and making Christ known. That's all we're about here. So, uh, all right, I'm excited to talk about breakthrough. As a child, I had endured so much abuse that by the time I was 18 years old, I had panic panic attacks, acute panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and had already tried to kill myself twice by the time I was 18. I also had arthrophobia, which I'll explain later. My parents divorced when I was three years old, and when my parents divorced, I started being physically, emotionally, and verbally abused by my custodial parent. My custodial parent had narcissistic personality disorder with bipolar tendencies. And if anybody here has ever seen the movie 
Mommy yours? Yeah. That was my childhood. And so it just kind of gives you a good visual of kind of the, some of the things that I endured physically, emotionally, and um, uh, emotionally verbally. Oh, if that wasn't enough, <laughs> Satan had more for me. I started being sexually abused by the time I was four years old. Sexually abused by multiple different people, and the sexual abuse did not stop till I was 12. And so, as you can imagine, all this trauma that I have and being built up. So, by the time I was 14, I had my first suicide attempt. And I ended up in the hospital for a week. Um, and then again, I tried to kill myself again at 18. Um, but the, the enemy just kept telling me, your life's not worth it. It is pain's too much, the shame's too much, nobody loves you, nobody wants you. Just end it. And I'm so grateful today to God that he preserved my life. Yeah. I'm here to tell you about a Jesus that changed my life. So 18, I moved out of my home. I got married as a young, very young, so I was just looking for a way of escape, and I had a child. But here I am, this 20-year-old woman, newly married, coming out of all of this trauma with this new baby, and I've got post-traumatic stress disorder, panic attacks, I don't mean acute panic attacks. And these were real symptoms. I was very much struggling. I woke up one day and all of a sudden I had tingling in my hands, tingling in my feet. My head would feel like I have a vibration going on in it. I would get faint and nauseous. I feel like I was gonna throw up or pass out. My eyes would go blurry for no reason. My tongue would go numb. My extremities, everything. My heart would just palpitate to 180, 190 miles an hour a minute. And for no reason, right? I couldn't breathe. I had the shortness of breath. And so as all this is going on, I was convinced that I was going to die every day. And so I started going to doctors. I said, there's something wrong with me. I'm 20 years old, but all these symptoms, I was convinced I had cancer or something. And so they ran all these tests. They did the heart monitors and stress tests and, and the MRIs and the CAT scans and the blood tests. And every time, they'd find nothing wrong with me. And you would think, oh, that's great. No, that made me hopeless. Yeah. Because now I'm having these real symptoms, and now I'm feeling like I'm crazy. And they're telling me, nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you. But I knew something was wrong with me, and I felt like I was going to die every single day. But it kind of took me back to my grandmother, who was a faithful prayer warrior, a woman of God, who I watched get up every morning and kneel before her bedside and say her prayers. And then she'd get up and go to the kitchen and make some coffee and open up her Bible and read her Bible. And she did this every day, and before she'd go to bed, she'd nail her bedside again and say her nightly prayers. And all the while, she'd always tell me growing up, even when I was real, real little, she'd say, Amy, no matter what, no matter what life throws at you, Jesus is the answer. She says, you just have to have faith in him, and you have to know the word for yourself. She says, you've got to know the word for yourself. Okay, Grandma, that sounds really good. I'm five years old. So here I am, I'm five years old. I'm in the car with my grandma, and the radio station's on. I think it's 103.3, and the preacher's like, you want to go to heaven? Just say this prayer. You know, and so here's Grandma. And I'm looking at Grandma. I said, Grandma, I want to go to heaven. And she's like, oh, yay, I'm a Baptist. Let's pray this prayer. And so do like a good friend. Grandma will do, right? Go pray with me. And then tells me, yeah, you're going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited. I get to go to heaven. I don't know what that is, but I'm going. Well, here I am living in complete hell in my home life. And so once I became a teenager, sin took over. I was intrigued by occult practices, 
sexual sin, experiment with alcohol, and experiment with marijuana. Because of my fear, I didn't go much further than that. Because I was always going, if I do one line of coke, or if I do this, I'll die. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that preparatory work of the Holy Spirit that protected me from a lot of things. Because of fear, unfortunately. But, so, but I knew something wasn't, I knew that I was sinning. I knew that I was sinning against God. I didn't have much religion. I didn't go to church very much. My parents were atheists. I was not really raised in the church. I went with my grandma a little bit. I went with my aunt a few times. But I had just enough knowledge of Jesus to know that what I was doing was wrong. So what I would do is every night when I would go home, I'd say that sinner's prayer. Dear Lord, forgive me for... And then I'd get up the next day, go do it all again. Right? Just go do it all again. But you know what I, what I always heard growing up is, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So I was like, okay, Lord, I just won't deny you, and I'm good. Right? I'm not going to deny you. So I would, I would do speech and debate teams in high school, and I would always talk about Jesus, and I'd go against rock and roll, and how all this, might be lost, this is rock and roll. But, you know, talk about the hypocrite. But anyways, but I would always just say, okay, I'm not going to deny Jesus. And so I would always just preach about him and talk about him, but I was denying him in my actions, and we'll get to that later. So... Here I am in my 20s again. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to meet Jesus for real, for real. Because, and I, I need heal. I need a breakthrough. So I've got to go and I've got to do all these things. Because my grandma said that Jesus is the answer. And so I start, what I start doing, I need heal. The doctors can't help me. I'm 20 years old. I want to be out there with my friends. I want to start living life. I'm stuck at home. I have this arbophobia because what happens is, um, a lot of times with panic attacks and post-traumatic stress disorder, because you have these irrational fears, you think you're dying every day, you have these real symptoms, the enemy blocks you in your home. So arbophobia is you know, fear of the marketplace. So I thought, I'm, I'm dying, and if I'm going to die, I at least want to die at home. I don't want to die in the grocery store, I don't want to die down the road, I don't want you to see me die, you know, fear of humiliation, the whole nine yards. So I just start reading my Bible every day. I start praying, I'm listening to the TV creatures, I'm cleaning up my act a bit, because humanism and moralism works. Uh, Temporarily, okay, and so I'm cleaning up math a little bit, and then all of a sudden I stumble on a book. About two, about two years, stumble on a book because this is before Google and WebMD, okay. So we could just get on the computer and go, okay, this and this and this and it told me I'm dying anyway. Um, so, but now I don't have that. But I stumble upon a book that here. That's how I found out I had post-traumatic stress disorder and panic attacks. And so it gave me a little bit of relief that I could put a name to it, but now my whole goal was to find the cure because I needed to be set free. So I did everything. I took the Jesus part, but then I also went and got holistic. I took this herb, I took this medicine, I went and did this class. I did, you know, I mean, every meditation, you name it. Whatever they told me would work. And I would get little periods of relief, but. I was never free. I was never true. It was always in the back of my mind. When's the next panic attack? When is the next depression episode? When is the, it was just always back there. But I was growing in morality. I was making positive changes in my life. I started to get seasons like a short-term breakthrough. And during, but during those seasons, I would tell God, I'd say, if you just heal me, I promise I'll give you my life. I will spend my life telling people about you. Okay? So I was bargaining. Now I'm bargaining, bargaining with God. You're going to bargain with God. And so I'm bargaining with God. And so when I get these little patches of relief in my, in my ears, I, what I go do? I would start my own business. 
right? So now I'm building my own business. I'm building success. I go out buy the big home. Business successful. Go get the big home and the big suburbans. Go get the big, nice, fancy cars. Go get the nice uh, vacations. And now I'm caught up in the American dream of materialism. All in the name of Jesus. Because I'm serving Jesus because I'm giving all kinds of money. Because that's what TV preachers told me to do. Give all kinds of money, and you'll have your best life now. And so on the outside, I was having my best life. I was living the American dream. But on the inside, I was still so miserable. But I'm making everything look perfect on the outside. My identity became completely wrapped up in the home and the business and the cars and the, and the, and the clothes and the vanity and the pride and dressing my kids perfectly and going to the high school, the, the, the good schools and all that you put your identity into. Because that's what I was taught. That's what God wants from me, right? That's what he wants from me. So I'm to, now I'm attending church, I'm confessing Christ, I'm attending church, I'm giving lots of money, I'm working my way up the ministry ranks, I go from children's ministry to youth leader to now head of women's ministry, and I'm just doing everything a good little Christian should do. But inside, I'm still miserable. I'm miserable. I am faking it. I am wearing the biggest mask, and I'm playing church. And what started happening was not only did all of this start come crashing down, as, as, as it's been about 13 years at this point, um, and I'm, everything started to come crashing. I now have chronic fatigue syndrome because of the psychosomatic and the constant stress, the constant adrenaline, the constant things that are going on. I'm now down with chronic fatigue syndrome, and I'm seeing demons. Oh, I just don't see demons, just so you know. But, and I wasn't Baptist, but it did, that was just the only bit of religion I had growing up, you know. And I started seeing demons, they start manifesting in my room, they start, you know, and now I'm just being tortured. Okay, so I've got post-traumatic stress disorder, panic depression. Now the suicidal thoughts are back because I'm like, I can't live like this anymore. If this is living, I just want to die. And so the suicidal thoughts, I'm beginning to go mentally ill. I've got chronic fatigue syndrome. If that wasn't enough, now I've got demons manifesting all around me. And when I go and try to talk to somebody about them, they say, well, you have been sin in your life, or it's your fault, or this or that. And I'm just like, I just need help. Um, but there was no one to help me. And so... I'm literally at rock bottom. It's what they call the dark soul of the night. I went through the wilderness, and then there's a dark soul of the night. And anybody who's ever been there, especially if you're called any type of ministry, yes. you've probably been there. And it's where you think God is so far away, and you're just dying. And so I find myself on my porch one day, and I had this, we had this big outside porch, and I'm looking over, down over our landscape, and all this beautiful landscape. I'm watching my husband do what he does, doing weeds, doing whatever. I'm looking down, I'm just like, oh God, I just want to help him. I just want to be that wife. I want to be, I'm so tired of being locked within myself. And all of a sudden I hear this voice. This is Amy. How do you know Jesus is real? Where is he in your life? How do you know it's not Buddha, Krishna, or the New Age movement? Or some other. God, tell me, where's Jesus been in your life? And I thought, who are you to talk to me? I knew exactly what that voice was. But for one second, for the first time in my life, I doubted Jesus. Because he was right. I didn't see him in my life. I saw the money. I saw the wealth. I saw the prosperity. 
I didn't see him in the churches. I'm being real honest with you. People were so unloving and gossipy and mean. And I didn't see breakthrough in them people either. But I knew at that second I'm having a crisis of faith. Because for the first time I doubted the Jesus that I've always stuck up for, the Jesus that I've always believed in. My grandma is Jesus. I said, okay, this isn't right, this is not good. And so I got up on the porch and inside the house and I said, everything in me knows that it's Jesus. I don't know how I know, but I know. And I know it's in his word. I know his word is true, and I know Jesus is true, but I need to go find him. Because something is wrong in my walk. Some, there is a disconnect in my life. And I need to go find this Jesus that I read about, this Jesus that I've been preaching about, teaching about, talking about all my life. The Jesus I've been praying to, I have to go find him. And so I called women's ministry, my women's ministry assistant. I said, I'm going on sabbatical. I've got to go find Jesus. Let everybody know I'm going to find Jesus. They thought I was crazy. I'm like, you're right, I am. That's why I'm going to go find Jesus. And so in that journey, I laid everything down. Listen, I had to lay it all down. Everything I ever been taught, everything that man had ever taught me, everything that I thought was true in my life, I had to lay down and go, I'm just going to come find you. I don't care what that cost me. I need to find Jesus. And so one day in my bedroom, while on this journey, it was in like a week or two, I'm sitting on my bed, I'm praying, Jesus, where are you? Why am I like this? Why, after all these years, you know, it's psychosomatic, it's emotional, it's not physical, it's emotional. I know I do not read about this in the scriptures. I know that you set people free. Where are you? I just kind of open up my Bible. I'm just kind of frantic. And I open up and I look down. And it says, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven... And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Yeah, what about it? That's you. What? What do you mean, Lord? That's me. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's you. You show up here, I'm going to tell you. You need to depart from me. I never knew you. I said, wait a minute. I'm the head of women's ministry. I'm doing hands up. I give Bibles. I've been talking about you since I can talk about you. I do. What I just do? All these works. I prophesy your name. I cast out demons. I declare you to everyone. I, talk, I, I do, I do, I do. I literally just said all the works. But I'm still not convinced in my mind because I know in my heart, right? How many times do I live? I know I'm saved. I know I am. Who here knows the heart is deceitfully wicked? So I'm flipping through the Bible at this point. I'm having a just, it's, it's very calm here. So I'm telling you to you that I was frantic. I'm flipping all of a sudden my Bible. Oh, this is also not true. My Bible just opens to 2 Thessalonians 2 9 through 10. Because I'm asking, how can this be true? How can this be true? He said, the coming of lawless ones by the activity of Satan and all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. So therefore, I sent them a strong delusion that they may believe what is false. 
He said, you didn't want to believe the truth. You thought it was okay to have sex outside of marriage and you were still going to go to heaven. You thought it was okay to get drunker. You thought it was okay to walk in your pride, to love the world, to have the pride of life, to have your vanity, to have all your materialism, because you didn't want to believe me that it's going to cost you to follow me. That you would have to die every day. You have to get on the cross every day. And he said, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that I had to repent and change and follow Jesus and the cross that he carried. And so he said, fine, I'll put you over a strong delusion, and you're going to think you're saved. And what do you think the Lord Lord people are? They walk up to him. Jesus, Jesus, I'm here. They're not saying Buddha, Buddha. They're not saying Krishna, Krishna. They're walking up to the Lord, Jesus, I'm here for the kingdom. Depart from the they're under a strong delusion. And I'm telling you, much of the church here, especially in America, is under a strong delusion. First John 1 6 says, if we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. First John 2 15 through 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, I was feeling my flesh. The desires of the eyes, of, of, of the desires of the eyes, everything I seen that I wanted, I got. And the pride, I was so full of pride and vanity. I did, I was, I was stuck up and snotty and, you know, just thought I was everything in the name of Jesus. First John 3, 7 through 10. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. But whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. This is not, this is not a gray area. This is black or white. You're either in or you're out. You're either of Satan or you're other of the Father. And your fruit will tell you. That's what Jesus says, just the fruit. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. No one born of God is an habitual sin, constantly, habitually sinning against God because his seed abides in us. It's not saying we can't fall into temptation or make a mistake, but we will not walk in a habitual state of sin. He loves us too much to let us do that. Because we've been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Our brothers and sisters, we were known by our love for one another. I have been deceived. So let no one deceive you. I have been deceived by a religious establishment. I have been deceived that I, by these false gospels that just said, you know what? Just profess Christ pay your tithe, get baptized, go through our hoops, serve, show up to church, and you're good. And I have pastors that will baptize me in water, knowing as soon as I get up out of that water, I'm going to walk right back with my boyfriend back home, we're going to have sex that night. I got a party on Saturday night, getting baptized on Sunday, and no one had the guts to tell me that I might be on my way to hell. I was caught in a religious system in the name of Christ that was leading me right to hell. Because my life did not line up with the scriptures. Before I got married, I was a fornicator, adulterer, idolater. I was a drunk. I didn't drink a lot, but I experimented with drinking. I just had no conviction. 
No real conditions. There's great that covered all the conditions. And then when I got married, then I started living the good life, started business, got the house, got the cars, got the patients, did all those things, dressed my child up in the most fanciest clothes, and went to church. Because <sighs> at least when I'm having sex outside of marriage, I'll tell you what, I don't want to Don't look at me like crazy, because one of four over here watching it. One in four of women inside the church are watching pornography. 60% of pastors. One in five. One in five youth leaders are watching pornography. One in seven senior pastors. 60% of our basis of pews watching pornography on a habitual basis. 87% of all evangelicals are single are having sex outside of marriage. I'm not here to give you a sex talk. I'm here to tell you that this was me. I was caught in that system where nobody would tell me the truth because they were afraid to offend me. And they were going to offend me right into hell. I listened to all the ungodly music. I watched all the ungodly movies. I participated in all the ungodly things, all in the name of Jesus. I raised my daughter in what you would call cultural Christianity. Just put Jesus on it, honey. We're good. And you know what? You know part of that delusion? Because it seemed like God was giving me everything I wanted. He must be happy with me. I must be doing it right. That could be part of the judgment too, guys. Remember he gives us false teachers because we want our ears tickled? So he lets us have them. There you go. So here's the deal. There's only one gospel that says. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 and 9, he said, even if I, an apostle, or an angel comes to you preaching a different gospel, he's cursed. And I was under that curse. The gospel I kept hearing said, just profess Christ, go to church, give lots of money, do acts of service. God will bless you with all your heart's desires. Jesus loves me so much that if I just keep repeating this prayer, I'm good. The gospel I needed to hear was that God is so good and he's so just and he's so righteous that I deserve help. That's the gospel I needed to hear. And you say, wait, what? Wait, God's so good that you deserve help? That you need help? Yeah. Because we serve a really good God. We serve a just God. We serve a holy God. He is righteous. And we need to understand his attributes. We need to understand, yes, God is love, but he is also justice, and he is wrath, and he is holy. And when we get before him, we're going to stand there, and we're going to stand before those attributes. The letter of the law is written on everyone's heart, and I have broken every law. I lied. I stole. I committed adultery because I looked upon the other woman's lust. I didn't. I disobeyed my parents. I stole pencils from work. I don't know. Pick your poison. We've all broken every letter of the law. And so we're going to go there one day, and we're going to end up in this courtroom. And God, the great judge, is going to be there. And it says that there's going to be books laid out of all of our actions and deeds, all of our sin against him. You see, we go, 
good. He understands. He knows my heart. Listen. I leave here today, and I go murder your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter. I'm on videotape. The DNA, there's no getting around it. Amy Ross just went and murdered your loved one. We're going to court. You're sitting there. You're ready. Give her the death penalty. She wrecks my family. And I'll stand there. I'm a judge. What do you have to say for yourself, Amy? You've got all the evidence. There's no getting out. I'm not the highest price attorney. It's all on video. Got the DNA, my face, the whole nine. Holding the knife. Listen, you know, come on. I run a weekly food pantry. I do. I go out and feed homeless people. And just last week, I walked, I walked Grandma across the street. And the judge looks at me and goes, oh, you are a good person. You know what? You're innocent. You're free to go. There's not one of you that wouldn't stand up and scream, corrupt judge, you have been bought and paid for. See, God's not corrupt. And he can't be bought and paid for. And we are going to stand there before him. And we're going to give an account for our lives. And that is the dilemma. The dilemma is that God is just and cannot pardon sinners. He cannot just let us go because he's just, because he's holy, because he has all knowledge of all truth. He knows all things. He's going to judge the secrets of our hearts. I said God is good. And so he sent his son. Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Because only God can take your sin away. So he has to be fully God. And he has to be fully man. Because he has to represent us as being a high priest. He walked this earth sinless and perfect. He got up on that cross. You know those books we talked about with all our sin? It's called the cup of wrath. And every one of us are born with that cup. Because we're all born in Adam's sin. And so as you walk this life, doing whatever you want, your cup just gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper. And that wrath, you know what that God says in the Word about that wrath? It abides on your head. This weight would be poured out over you for the day of judgment. But you know what God did? He took that cup of wrath. And he poured it on his son. He poured it on his son. And he crushed him with it. And it pleased him to do so. It pleased him. He drank all my sin. All of that. He drank it. He took it. He absorbed it. You know what he did? He then gave me all of his righteousness and all of his holiness. And he set us free. <laughs> Not just from the life of sin. And that's what makes it such good news. But unfortunately, we're not preaching that no more. We're just not preaching that no more. But that's what sets people. So on that day, on that day in my room, when God had opened up my blind eyes and opened up my deaf ears, I jumped off my bed and I lay prostrate on the floor. And I wept 
And I wept and I wept and I said, God, save me. Do what you got to do. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. No one ever told me. I just believe these false preachers. I believe these false gospels. I did not know. But it doesn't matter because I'll still be without excuse. But I said, have mercy on my soul today and save me. I need a relationship with God Almighty. I need regenerated. I need born again. I need new desires. I need breakthrough. I certainly didn't become perfect on that day, but let me tell you a few things I became determined. I will never be deceived again. Never. I promise you that. I made it my mission. All that time, talent, treasure that I was putting onto the world, going on fancy vacations, buying all the fancy clothes, I put it into getting to know the, the living God. Amen. Knowing Him and His Word and who His, what the Word says that He is. Who the Word says He is. The real gospel of um, going beyond the pews, and it gives you the full story of my, from the time I was younger till today, on getting broke free from the religious system and actually falling in love with Jesus Christ and becoming born again. And so, and back there it's $10, on Amazon it's $14.99, or you can get Kendall for $4.99. Another thing I have too is called Equipping the Saints. It's a 15-week study guide on who is God, the attributes of God, who is Jesus, what is, why, what, is, what is justification? What's sanctification? What's regeneration? What's redemption? What are these things that we don't know anymore, church? Because that changed my life, understanding what he did for me at the cross, and that I was now justified. I was now sanctified. I was regenerated, redeemed, reconciled. This stuff matters. Amen. Especially if you want to go into deliverance or spiritual warfare. Satan knows who knows who doesn't know. Come on. Trust me, I don't see demons up in my room no more. I learn. I know who I am. I know who he is. I know who I am. I know who dwells within me. I know the authority and the power that's been given to me, and I walk in it now. And you probably think, well, why did you preach the gospel? Because it doesn't matter. You do not outgrow the gospel. It starts with the gospel. With the gospel. It's all about the gospel. It's all about Christ and Him crucified. You're not going to get a breakthrough unless it's about Christ and Him crucified. He is the God of breakthrough. You know, you preach the gospel, you need to preach it to yourself every day. We don't mature out of the gospel, we don't grow out of the gospel. The more we grow, the more we mature, the more we know, the more knowledge we get, the more I need the gospel. Especially if you're humble. You know what did Jesus say in the wilderness? He said, it is written. Amen. You want breakthrough? Know the word for yourself. Amen. My grandma was right. Yeah. 
Most people aren't preaching the gospel to them, right? Preaching humanism, moralism. That ain't gonna move nothing. It's the blood of Christ. It's the gospel. The woman at the well in John chapter four, she had to accept the truth about herself. Yep, married five times and now I'm living with you. She had to come to that realization. And then she had to accept who Jesus was telling her he was. She had to come into agreement with her sin and the fact that she needed her Savior. And she changed the whole village. She went from a harlot to an evangelism. evangelist. And she went the only city that got all saved. The whole city was a Samaritan city. We won't get into that. That, just, that. that wrecked all the Jewish people. John chapter 8. Woman caught in adultery. Encounter with Jesus. Yeah, you're a sinner. Now go and sin no more. We all want to talk about the forgiveness, but we don't want to talk about what happened after. Go and sin no more. There's an expectation of a new believer to walk in holiness, to walk in righteousness, to walk as he as he walked. That's how high the bar is. It says walk as he walked. Jesus walked. Yes, be Listen, God's not going to lower his standard just because you and I can't meet it. His standard stays here. We got to wake up every day, preach the gospel to ourselves, and say, I'm going to work and try to meet that standard. You've given me all I need. I'm an overcomer. I have the power and the victory that lives inside of me. I, I, the devil is made a spectacle in Colossians, and so I have it. Amen. We're meeting it. We're trying. I never get there. Amen. Not until I'm glorified. That's right. But this doesn't mean we lower the bar in our lives. First Samuel 1 and 2, Hannah's barrenness. She just kept going to the temple. Go to the place of worship. Give you tools. You need the word of God. You need to come into agreement with the Lord that this might not be right in your life. It might be giving the enemy a license to why you're not getting breakthrough. And you need to accept who you are and who he is. And then you need to be among the body. You need to go, A, to the temple by yourself, but then you need to be around the saints. We are there to encourage one another, to pray for one another. To, you know, the word says that we speak the word over each other. We sing hymns over each other. We encourage, we submit to one another. First thing the enemy's going to do when you need breakthrough is to isolate you from the bride of Christ. First thing he's going to do. First thing he's going to do. The demon-possessed man needed to meet a man named Jesus. And I love today because it's been all about worship. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, those armies were coming up against Jehoshaphat. He thought, there's no way I'm going to defeat these armies. What do I do, God? He says, just start praising me. Start singing praises. And as they're singing praises, the enemy back here going, what's that? I don't know. But all of a sudden, you're my enemy, you're my enemy. They just turn on each other and defeat each other. Because praise wins the battle.
and then put our eyes on the problem solver. And that is Jesus. We need to use the tool that has been given us. That's prayer, praise, the word, and one another. We are an army. And I started with the gospel because breakthrough starts with the gospel. I have nothing else for you but the gospel. Even my own testimony, testimony cannot give you breakthrough. It's Christ plus nothing. Father, I just want to lift up each and every listener, Father, that you would um, touch each and every one of them, Lord. I remember so clearly those dark days when I was just crying out for breakthrough, Lord. And you showed up in a profound way in my life. And you have continued to teach me and refine me and grow me. And these chains continue to fall off me as I am continuing to be sanctified by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, I want that for my sisters. If there is something going on where they are struggling, there's a battle that they're, they're in, Lord, they need breakthrough. Well, we know that you are the God of breakthrough. You are the God who cares about everything that we are going through. And that you will not let anything go to waste. That the things that the enemy is throwing at us, the things that we are dealing with by living in a cursed world with a, cur with, with a cursed body, that those things will be used for our good and your glory because we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that those who heard this message are truly born again. And if they weren't and they're not, that today's the day of salvation. Praise God. Repent and we put our faith in you. And you're faithful to forgive us and help us to walk in a transformed life. Lord, be with my sisters. I pray blessings over their homes, blessing over their families, their, their marriages, their relationships, God, their, their finances, Lord, their health. Lord, I just pray for them. We thank you that we have you in common, our Father, that we are sisters in Christ, and that we can love one, each, love one another well and be there for one another. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. And I'm believing that you're going to answer yes and amen with our breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, sisters. I love you. Until next time. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.